Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, first of all, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Jason O'Sullivan. This is my wife Adele O'Sullivan here. And um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I grew up in this house, uh, the House of Liberty. Um, you know, the House of Liberty is, we're here, but we're also in Clondalkin and in Bray also. Um, I'm out in, I'm based more or less, myself and Adela are based more or less out in uh, Clondalkin. Um, we're on the car team out there and, uh, you know, um, God is doing amazing stuff through the Tribe of Liberty. And uh, just listen to all the testimonies um, that are going out through the, uh, through the locations uh, about what God is doing. We're hearing them all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm just here this morning. I feel like I'm here this morning to be a Barnabas. I feel like I'm here this morning to encourage you. Um, I feel like I'm here this morning to let you know that, like what that song says up there, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Do you believe that, church? Nothing is impossible with God. And he is a healer. And he is a deliverer. And he is a good father. And he is he's a great friend. An amazing friend. And for those of you who don't know my story, in 2010, uh, Christmas Eve 2010, I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, I was at death's door. I was addicted to heroin and crack and prescribed medication for over 20 years. Um, I could say I had everything that the world uh, is after regarding money, property, all of that stuff. Uh, but there was one thing that was missing in my life and there was always a hole and an emptiness in my life. And no matter how much money I had or what property I had or what was going on in my life, I always put my head down at night and there was this emptiness inside of me that nothing could fill. And on Christmas Eve 2010, isn't it amazing that we call out to God when we're on our knees and we're in bits? Before I got saved, the only time I called out to God was when I was in a prison cell or was in a police cell. I'm being honest. I was like, God, if you get me out here, I swear, I swear I'll never do it again. The doors would open, I'd be out and I'd be back to doing what I was doing. And that's a product of someone that was rebellious towards God, for want of a better word. That was a product of someone that, uh, as the Bible says, I was an enemy of God. I had no regard for God. I had no regard for who he was or what he was doing. Or I just had no regard for God. I was out there doing my own thing. But at the at the time of needs, at the time of need when I was broken and I was dying, and my two legs were going to be amputated, and I was up to here in trouble, and I was strung out to bits on heroin and crack, and my two arms were broken five places, my chest bone was broken, and I was like that. I remember Christmas Eve, do you remember the bad snow? Christmas Eve, 2010. I remember standing, I got a lift, I went to Lifeline. Philip Richardson was running Lifeline at the time. I remember going up there. And it took me weeks and weeks and weeks to get in. Every day I was ringing. And he was going, no. And I found out afterwards, he was telling everybody, I'm not letting him in here. There's no way he's getting in here. But God spoke to him one day. And he says, this place is for the likes of him. Now let him in. Christmas Eve 2010, I got a lift. It was the bad snow. It was a horrible day. I was in such a bad place that, uh, you know what? I never thought of taking my own life but. But the way I was living my life, I was doing it anyway. I actually hadn't got the guts right, to take my own life. But the way I was living my life, I was slowly but surely dying. And I was at that store. And I came up to the doors of Lifeline and I got out. And I remember saying, God, I don't know where you are or who you are. But I know you're out there somewhere. Here's what's left of me. And that moment, God came into my life and set me free from drugs. And I entered on a new path in life where as I walked with God, things changed continuously. And I want to tell you, church, that if you're going through something this morning, that there's a God and his name is Jesus, and that if you walk with him, you see, the invitation is there. If you walk with him, there's nothing, as that song could say, there's nothing 
that you can't do with God. I mean nothing. I've done more in the last nine years of my life than I have for the previous 38 years. Because with God, I'm not saying I haven't gone through stuff because I have. I've gone through the mill walking with God. But God has been faithful. And God has got me through it. Amen. Is that right, Adele? Yeah. Amen. So this morning, Noel has asked us to... Um, he sends out an email and he asks us to preach around uh, certain things when we're preaching. And he has asked us to um, preach around the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels and the words of Jesus. And before I start that, I just want to start off with something. I, I like to start off with something just to break the atmosphere, an old joke or something, yeah? And uh, he's all looking at old joke, yeah? But um, I heard this one and I thought it was absolutely gas. And uh, it's about a pastor and his wife. It's not known in Sharon, by the way. <laughs> it's about a pastor and his wife. And uh, they thought that church was the most holiest church in the world. They thought they had it all together, that the worship, that the, it's definitely not us. The day we're like that, the day we're in trouble. Because then we won't need Jesus. But... Uh, this pastor and his wife thought his church was so holy. Everything was holy about the church. The, <laughs> the worship, the worship, the word was so holy. The people were so holy. They were absolutely perfect. This church was absolutely perfect. So they invited this preacher to come along. And uh, this husband and wife, they invited the preacher to come along. So anyway, he comes along and he preaches. Preaches a great word, blah, blah, blah. He, uh, after church, he's invited back to the uh, pastor's uh, house where him and his wife had prepared dinner for him. So, sat down, had dinner. Everything was good. He had a great day. Great talk over the meal and the pastor left. So, when the pastor left, the wife come up to the husband. When the preacher left, the wife come up to the husband and says, uh, do you know what was that missing? And uh, the husband says, no, why, what's wrong? She says, am I saying mad? one of my spoons is gone. And he said, what are you on about? She says, one of my spoons is gone. I says, ah, you're going nuts. She says, do you think he's had to take it? Why? And uh, he says, ah, you're going mad. So anyway, that conversation passed on. A year later, and remember this church is very holy and so were these people. A year later, they invited the preacher back. Same thing, went in, preached the message. After the message, came back for dinner. Sat down for dinner, had a great meal. Preacher was leaving. The woman couldn't help herself. She had to ask him. She says, Did you rob my spoon? And he says, No, ma'am, I put it in your Bible. Says, Where was the holy one? Huh? One year she hadn't read a Bible in. So the moral of the story is Hide your spoons when I'm around. Anyway, amen. So I'm going to speak today on um, the words and the miraculous of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus had a lot to say and still has a lot to say. But I believe this, that the words of Jesus are very important. The words of Jesus is very important. I remember one day, Adele got a word off the Lord, and the Lord says, well, Adele, you're a product of what you believe. And that's the truth. You're a product of what you believe. And the words of Jesus are so important. Because if you don't believe the words of Jesus, you're going to believe the words of someone else or something else. And as Stephen, me and Stephen were talking this morning, he says, and you'll become something else. But the words of Jesus propel you into a life of freedom. A life of fullness, a life of goodness, a life of serving. Jesus has something to say about absolutely everything that you're going through in life. Absolutely everything. And I think the words of Jesus are very, very, very important. They're so important that you have to base your life on them as a Christian. And if you're not saved or you're not a Christian, at the end of this message, you will be given a chance to respond to what I've said today. But I'm telling you, the best thing you could ever do in your life 
is base your life on the word of God. Is put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm taking most of my scriptures from the book of John. And this book revolves around seven miracles and the seven I am statements of Christ. You know, there's a miracle in the Bible. It was Jesus' first miracle, and it's in John 2. And it's where he went to a wedding. And when he went to the wedding, I think it was his mother said to him that all the wine was gone. And Jesus asked a couple of the disciples to fill up the jugs. The jugs were like 30 gallons, big vessels. They were like 30 gallons full. So they filled up a load of them. And uh, Jesus turned the water into wine. You all remember that? Yeah? You hear them songs? Jesus turned the water into wine. And when the king drank the wine, he said, how come the best has been saved to last? But in John 2, 11, it says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believe in him. You see, not only the miraculous reveals the glory of God, but the Bible says all creation reveals the glory of God, including us. You know, we reveal, we reveal us, we reveal the glory of God. It says all creation, all creation reveals the glory of God. I remember when I was in Lifeline, in the center that I got saved uh, from, like, outside of, um, I remember when I was in bed, when I got born again, Philip Richardson said to me three days after I entered the centre, he says, how do you know you're born again? I said, I can't explain it, but when I called out to God, it was like something happened to me and I feel at home. I felt at home. I felt I belonged to something and to someone. And then when I start reading the scriptures, it says in Colossians that I was transported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of love. And it's only when you read the Bible that you realize where you've come from and what you've been brought into. That's why it's so important to know the word of God. Because if you don't read the word of God, you're going to be reading something else. You're going to be reading stuff on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be. And you're going to start believing that stuff over the word of God. And that stuff is going to bring you into chaos and stress and anxiety and trouble. But the word of God is there to bring life and life in its fullness. But when I was in Lifeline, I'm talking about all creation reveals the glory of God. I was in Lifeline, I was lying in the bed and God had set me free from drug addiction. I had no detox, no nothing. I had a massive habit but God had set me free. It was a miraculous event. Just like that, bang. I was set free, delivered. But for nine weeks, I didn't sleep. And I mean it. Nine weeks, I didn't sleep. And I lay in the bed at night. And my mind was absolutely... It was like a train wrecking soil. I remember Philip Richardson saying to me one day, Jay, how do you feel? I says, do you really want me to tell you? My head was full of 38 years of garbage and guilt and shame and everything that went with it. It was like two trains had collided inside of my head. But I remember lying on the bed and every morning I'd be waiting for the, the brightness to come or the sun to come up. And for the first time in my life, for the first time in my life, I heard the birds whistle. I'd heard birds whistle before, but I didn't hear them. I knew birds whistled, but I didn't hear them. I remember lying in bed and all I could hear was, on the windowsill. It was all God's creation revealing his glory. I remember saying to myself, what's going on here? They had to place a load of budgies on the window or something out there. I didn't realize it was the first time I started to hear God's creation. I remember I walked out the door a few days later. There was a big apple blossom tree and it was the most beautifulest tree you'd ever see. Big huge one. It was in full bloom. And I looked at it. And I said, Lord, that's a beautiful tree. And you know what he said to me? He said, Jay, you had one in your garden for ten years. I never seen it. You see, I couldn't see God's creation. I couldn't see his glory being revealed. 
The Bible says that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And I believe part of the kingdom of God is seeing his creation at work and revealing his glory. I believe that with all my heart. And I knew from that moment on that I wanted all that God had for me. I wanted all that God had for me. And I, you know, it's probably selfish not to want all that what God has for you. I believe that we should want all that God has for us. That's why the other night here in the uh, Waiting on God uh, night we had here on Wednesday, I felt there was a limitation on my life. I felt I felt that there was a spirit of limitation on my life and I wanted to broke off because I want, the, I want all what God has for me. Church, do you want all what God has for you? Do you, church? Come on. Do you want all what God has for you? Because it's good. What God has for you is good. And you know, I put a title on the top of this message, do you want all that God has for you? And my question to you this morning do you want all that God has for you? You see, in order for to live this life for God, you need to know who he is and who you are in him. I'll say that again. In order for to live this life for God, you need to know who he is and who you are in him. Because the Bible says, in God we live, move and have our being. I believe that all your dreams, I believe all your aspirations, all your desires, I believe everything only comes to his fullness in God. Because the Bible says that he put those desires in your heart. And if the one who put them desires in your heart, he's the one that's going to bring them to fullness. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe there's people here this morning that they have desires and dreams in their heart that have been dampened by pain and hurt or there's been limitations put on them because of from, from where you're from or what you're doing, or what you've done. But I'm here this morning to tell you that regardless of what you've done, right, or where you live, or who you are, or who you think you are, there's no limitations in God. That the desires that are put in your heart, that the dreams that God has put in your heart, He will bring them to pass if you let Him. If you let Him. Stuff holds us back. I remember Sharon saying one time, she said it loads of times, but about three or four years ago she said, you know what? You have the key to unlocking your dream. We have the keys to unlock certain stuff in our lives. I know God has to do certain stuff. It has to be supernatural. But God has given us keys to unlock certain stuff in our lives. You see, Jesus is not a man... And Jesus is not just another prophet. And Jesus is not a man that religion just talks about. Jesus is the Son of God. And all things were made through him. All things were made through him. You see, when Jesus spoke, there was light. When Jesus spoke, the moon was formed. When Jesus spoke, the sun was made. Jesus breathed on a lifeless body and man was created. Jesus spoke and people were healed and set free. And the list goes on. But it doesn't stop there. The scriptures say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So what Jesus has done in the beginning, he's still doing today and will do in the future. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe it? Come on. Amen. Amen. And I believe God wants to do stuff in certain people's lives this morning. I believe that with all my heart. Because other than that, there's no point in us being here. I know we come to worship God and I know we come to give Him thanks and praise and all that on a Sunday. But wherever the presence of God is, there has to be something going on. Miracles, freedom, deliverance, minds changed. Healing, all sorts of stuff. You see, Jesus knew who he was and knew who had sent him. 
And therefore, Jesus moved from a place of authority. You see, it's so important for you to hear the words of Jesus and to know the words of Jesus and to put the words of Jesus into practice in your life and believe the words of Jesus. To grab them by faith and say, God, I'm believing what you say. Because if you don't do that, you're in trouble. I was told that I'd never come off drugs. I was told that I'd be dead by 30. Realistically, I should have been. But God had a plan. You see? God had a plan. And there's some of you sitting here today that you want stuff to come to pass in your lives. And I'm here to encourage you that don't give up. Keep standing in faith. Keep believing God. Keep believing Jesus. Keep believing what he's saying. Because he's not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. And the good work he started, he will bring it to completion. Do you believe that, church? Come on. It's time to start believing. Anna was talking about um, the checkbook going to the bank. I preached here one day on faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Everything has to be accessed by faith. You see, we want to see with the natural eye all the time what, what we're getting. Sometimes, that's not the way it works with God. Hebrews tells us that. We've got to stand and believe and say, God, I believe that you're going to do this. I believe that my marriage is going to be restored. I believe that my son is going to be set free. I believe that my family are going to be saved. I believe that I'm going to have a home. I believe that I'm going to have a job. I believe that I'm going to have a car. I believe that I'm going to have full health. Do you believe that, church? You need to grab hold of this. Jesus moved from a place of authority because he knew who had sent him and who he was. Listen to how confident Jesus was in the one who sent him. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, and guys, this is so important, because if you understand who Jesus is and who you are in him, you come to a place of, it's nearly like there's the cement poured into your soul, the structure poured into your soul. It's nearly like you have a, a steel backbone and it's nearly like, with God I can face anything. With God I can face anything. I'm reminded of David. He was only a young fellow. I think the scriptures, theologians reckon he was around 16 or 17. The giant Goliath used to come out and taunt the whole of uh, the Israelites. And David knew who God was. David was in a place with God where he was like, no, my God is going to come true. You see, I think David, when he was a young fella, out in the fields, mining sheep, he had a real revelation of what, who God was. And that's the important thing, that we need the revelation of who God is. It's just not a far off God that's out there. He's a God that's in our midst and he's a God that's within us. And David had this, David had this revelation. And you have to remember that the Spirit of God was only on certain people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God is in us. But David had this revelation. And David reached back and he drew from his past. Not that we lived there, but we remember what God has done for us already. You see, David, the, the bear came out and David killed the bear, didn't he? He smited the bear. The lion came out, he's doing the same with him. David was reaching back to God's faithfulness and he was bringing it into his present now. And he was saying, the God who got me out of that one is the God who's going to get me out of this one. And see this giant, he's coming down. Not in my own strength, but in the name of the Lord. I come to you. He says about Goliath, he says, you come with spirit and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord. What happened? Giant came down. Head came off. That was the end of it. See, David had this revelation of who God was and who he knew God was and who he was in him. Do you see where I'm going with this church? When you understand who God is, it's nearly like you walk, I'm not talking about walking full of pride, I'm nearly like you're walking into a room. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, um, a lot of people would have known him, and uh, he was, to his detriment and to, to mine as well, he was very violent at times. But it was nearly like, and these were for the wrong reasons, but when I went into certain places and he was with me, it was nearly like 
I walked in with a strength. It was for the wrong reasons. I knew he could protect me, but it was for the wrong reasons. But for all the right reasons, when we know who we are in God, it's nearly like we have the creator of the heavens and earth. We have the one that spoke everything into existence. That he is with us and he's in us and he's for us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Amen? Do you believe that, church? Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Jesus said to them, Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to the words of Jesus. He knew who he was. And then I'm going to go on to us. Who do we say we are in God? And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. John 6. John 8. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have fullness of life. John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. What a scripture. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Church, the Lord Jesus gave his life. He gave his life for you. He laid down his life for you. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, shall live. Shall live. I know with all my heart that when this body dies, when I die, if I go out here and get a bang of a car or whatever, I'm going to heaven. The Bible says the blink of an eye, I'm in heaven. This body might die, but my spirit will live on. And your spirit has to live somewhere, guys. You have to live on somewhere. There's only two places you can live. And that's heaven or hell. And I'm being honest. It's heaven or hell. And where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Amen. I'm assured of that. Do you know why I'm assured of it? Because I know Jesus and I take him at his word. And he said he died for my sin. He said he died so that I could go into heaven. But not only that, heaven starts here. The kingdom of God starts here, down here. We start to walk in the fullness of God here. We start to walk in the kingdom of God on earth. And it's up to us to release the kingdom of God. That's what I'm doing standing up here. That's what we do when we pray for people. We release the kingdom of God. You see, salvation. People think salvation. Yes, it is about getting to heaven. But there's much more to that. There's much more to that. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And if you have problems in your life, you need to ask Jesus to save you first. Not fix you. No point in being fixed and going to hell. You need to be assured of your place in heaven. The Bible says he gives us a witness. A guarantee. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, whoever. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, sorry, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. That's what I said, all them dreams and desires that are in you. They come to fullness when you're in God. Jesus said here, for without me you can do nothing. Church, you might say, I want all that God has for me. I want the miraculous. I want the glory of God evident in my life. You might say, well, Jay, that's okay that Jesus done all these miracles. But what about me? I'm looking for one. I want to know how to walk in victory. 
Well, Church of Good News for you. Church of Good News for you. Do you want good news, Church? Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, I have given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Jesus said, I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. All authority. Jesus previously said in Matthew 28 that all authority had been given to him. So those of us who believe in him and are born again, he's given us authority now. So the same authority Jesus had, we have. Do you get that, church? Do you get it? That means whatever the enemy throws at you, God has given you the power to overcome it. Not in your own strength, but, the, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, this is your inheritance. If you're coming to church here every Sunday morning, and you're going to prayer meetings and everything else, your inheritance is the Holy Spirit, the power of God. The change and resurrecting power of God. And I'm here to encourage you that if you want all of what God has for you, Grab hold of the Holy Spirit. And if He's not in your life, you need to ask Him to come into your life. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask Him. We'll pray for you here afterwards to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember, I struggled. I got set free from drugs. God done a miracle just like that. It was like in the book of Mark, an instant thing. Boom, just like that. But I couldn't give up the smokes. I'd smokes hidden everywhere in the treatment center. Philip Richardson was pulling his hair out. Well, you know what I mean? Uh, but he was going mad. And uh, everywhere I went, when we were in the van and we were going to certain places, I had people meeting me with cigarettes. I had cigarettes everywhere. The play, I'm not joking you. I remember A.B. coming up one morning. Jay, what's going on? The alarms are all going off down there. The Philip fella's going to hit the roof. I just couldn't give up the cigarettes. Couldn't give them up. It was the last thing. It was a stronghold in my life. It was nearly like, it was nearly like the devil was saying, I'm, I'm keeping that one. I'm not giving that one over. And everything within me wanted to give them up. But I couldn't. And I remember we all got into the van and we went up for the church in the north. There was about 20 of us went up and there was a healing meeting on. And my legs were wrapped in compression bandages because they were going to amputate them. And I remember going up. Avi was there. A few of the other, I think Paul Martin might have been there. Um, went up, big church in the north, went up, it was a healing meeting. They were after being fasting and praying and stuff, so I went up for healing. Remember I went up for healing for my legs. And I woke up an hour and a half later, they were all around me praying for me. This is no messing. I woke up, it was like I woke up, I didn't fall down, I was still standing. But I looked around me, and it was an hour and a half later, I looked around me and the whole place was empty. All the boys were waiting for me outside. Half the lights were off in the church. I don't know what happened. When they started praying for me, it was nearly like I was transported to another place. But I came out there and I realised afterwards what had happened was I was baptised in the Holy Spirit because I came out there and I didn't want a cigarette. I came out there and now I had the power to say no. Now I had the power to overcome all these things in my life. And not only that, I started speaking in tongues. I was coming back in the van after coming out of uh, this church meeting and uh, there was... At the top of my throat here, it was like another language wanted to come out. I wanted to say something. But if being honest, I was afraid to say it because I was afraid it was going to come out all mumbo-jumbo. So I went up to my room in Lifeline. And I started letting it out. And it was a gift from God. It was a tongue from heaven. It was something that overcomes. And I'm telling you, the power of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you haven't got it, you need it. You need it in your life to overcome Certain things in your life. They overcome everything in your life. You see, when you understand and get revelation, Sharon was talking about revelation earlier and I, was, I, was, I said to Adele, I said, I'm delighted Sharon's speaking about revelation because now I know what I'm speaking about is what God wants me to speak about because I'm going to speak about revelation now. And it says, you see, when you understand and get revelation, that greater is he that is within us than he who was in the world. Speaking of the devil. When you get revelation that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When you know that in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. 
The NLT translation says, Despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loves us. Are you getting all this? This is manna from heaven. This is stuff like you could chew on all day long. 2 Corinthians says that God always leads us in triumph. Always leads us in triumph. But you have to walk with him in order to be led in triumph. You have to follow someone to be led. Do you know what I'm saying? And if we follow Jesus, as I said at the start, I'm not saying there's not going to be problems, because there is. I've had loads of them. I went through the mill for three years. But I was following Jesus. And there was days where I was like, Jesus, I was nearly after him on my hands and knees. But I followed him. Did I make mistakes? Yes, I did. But it was nearly like Jesus was turning around saying, Come on, Jay. Come on. Come on, I'm here for you. Come on. Coaxing me along. Like the good shepherd does to a sheep. Nudges them along. Nudges them along. You see, when you get... You see that when you get revelation of God's character and His faithfulness, you will live from a place of victory because you know who has your back. I remember I was telling you, I was talking about my Elfle when I was a young fella. I felt safe because he was behind me. Well, imagine that you have the Father of lights behind you. The Father of lights with you. Creator of heaven and earth with you. See, when you get that, it's nearly like you're standing 10 feet tall in a pair of Adele's high heels or something. Up, like that, walking around. Because you know who has your back. You see, when you give your heart and life to Jesus, He promises that you become a new creation. That the old is gone and the new is here. Hence the scripture, being born again. That's what it literally means. But not born again of the flesh, but born again of the Spirit of God. Born again of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit and your Spirit collide. And your spirit is made new. Therefore you start living from a place of you're a new creation. Hence the term born again. Born again. I remember a traveller saying to me one day, it's just coming to me there, I remember a traveller saying to me on one of the outreaches one day, he came up to me and he says, you're one of them reborns, aren't you? I thought he was talking about one of them little dolls. You know them, you know them dolls? Well, he says, yeah, I am a reborn. What does that mean? He says, how can you be reborn? I says, and I explained it to him. But he went off thinking about it. But I'm sure to this day he's still thinking about it. What is he talking about? Praise God if he's born again. But I explained to him that God's spirit and your spirit collide. It's like God touches your spirit. Boom, you're made new. And you ask Jesus into your heart. But not born again of the flesh, but born again of the spirit of God. Born from above. And when that happens, all things start to fall away as you follow Jesus. I remember the first thing that changed for me was my tongue. Why that horrible tongue? Effing and blinding and I would cut you in half with my tongue. But that was one of the first things that changed. Then my bad behaviour started to fall away. The devil might tell you different now, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. But when you walk with Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, you can't help but doing something different. We're a reflection. We're to be a reflection of Jesus. And you know, you, remember them wristbands that used to be around the place? What would Jesus do? You know them things that you... I always ask myself when I'm in certain situations, what would Jesus do? In certain situations, I mean, I want to kill someone. I want to bash them. I'm being honest. But I have to say to myself, Jay, what would Jesus do? And when you say that to yourself, you're feeding the new nature and all things start to fall away. Because when you do what Jesus does, that new creation starts to get bigger than the old. You see, it's like two dogs. There was a a story of two dogs that were going to have a fight. One was fed all the time and one wasn't. Who's the one that you think won? The one that was fed. And if you feed your spirit with the word of God, fellowship, talk about the Lord, do what's good, serve, whatever you can, releasing the kingdom of God, your spirit man gets built up 
and encouraged and strengthened. All things will pass away. New things will come. But honestly, that's what happens when I start walking with Jesus. But seriously, someone who was born again of God, there has to be a change. There has to be a change. And I'm not here to condemn anybody. But if you're born again by the Spirit of God, there has to be a change in your life. It has to be evident. It has to be evident. Is that right, Tom? It has to be evident. When you are born again, there has to be an evident change in your life. Because God is in your life now. God is in your life. There has to be a change. I remember I was up here preaching one morning. It was a good while ago, a year or two ago or whatever. And I was proclaiming the gospel. I was preaching. And a fella that I know years was down the back. And I got down after preaching and uh, he came up to me. And he said to me, yeah, you're up there preaching about Jesus and this, 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 this and this. I says, that's right. He says, but you doing this, you doing that, and you doing this and you doing that. I says, you don't even know me. He says, I do, I know you 20 years. I says, well, see all them things that you said I done. He says, I was worse than that. I says, but that's not who I am now, praise God. I'm a new creation now. I'm living from a place of a new creation. And that's where we all have to live from. I was involved in crime and drugs all my life. Robbing. Everything the opposite to God. Absolutely everything the opposite to God. But see, when I gave my life to Jesus, and I started reading the scriptures, and I got revelation of who God was, and who I am in God. Who I am in God. I'm a child of God. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a new creation. More any more. Spit them out. Do you know what I mean? That's right. But when I start living from that place, like I'm going to be honest with you, if I tried in my own strength to stay off drugs, I'd be off them. Or I'd be still on them. But I'm living from a place of, I'm a new creation. I remember a couple of the lads up in the centre um, said to me, and I have great respect for people to go to NANAA, I'm not saying anything about it, it's brilliant. But what I'm saying, this is, I don't want anybody to get confused. I was up in the centre and two of the lads came to me in the centre in Tiglin and he says to me, Jay, you know the way you're an addict in recovery? And I says, no. He says, what do you mean? He says, you know the way you're an addict in recovery? I says, no. He says, but you were on heroin and crack and foy for over 20 years. I says, that's right. He says, so you're an addict in recovery? He says, no, I'm not. He says, well, what are you? He says, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Yeah, and that's the place that's the place you've got to live from that's the place you've got to live from even if you've had loads of relationships and someone says but you are this, this, this but that's not who I am now no matter what you've done in life if you've given your heart to Jesus and you're born again from above if you're born again by the Spirit of God you're a new creation the Bible says you're transferred from one kingdom into the next you're over here and you're brand new now. So you start living out a new life. That's why you say, Jesus, what would you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Oh, I'm not an addict anymore. But them boys couldn't get their head around it. And I said to them, my prayer was that they would get revelation of who they were in Christ. Because if you get revelation of who you are in Christ, you become bulletproof. You become bulletproof. Because when you know who you are in Christ, I have to walk around the areas where I, where I cause a lot of harm. I still live in Clondalkin. I still live in that area. I have to walk around there. And I'm reminded of what I've done. But I know I'm forgiven. And that's not who I am now. I know I'm forgiven. And that's not who I am now. And the reason why I know I'm forgiven. And that I don't carry guilt and shame of it. Not because I don't care about it. It's because I've repented and asked God for forgiveness. And I'm living from a place of a new creation. I'm living from a place of I'm brand new in God. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus makes you whiter than snow. You're forgiven. You live from a place of forgiveness. You live from a place of being right with God and in God. You're a new creation. Hence the term, you're being a reborn. Yeah? But it's so true. I'm finishing on this real quick. 
There's a story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I want to tell you that no matter what you're going through in life, God is with you. If you were born again by the Spirit of God, God is with you. And you know what? Even in times where I didn't give my life to Jesus years ago, God reminded me, He saved me from being murdered three times. I'll share that another day. Three different times God showed me how His hand was on my life. But you see, God has a plan. And God is the good shepherd and He nurtures you in. Boom, 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 boom. He's always nurturing you in. Putting people in your path. Come on to church. Come on, do this, do that, do that. He's always working His way getting you into the fold. He's always doing it. But I want to tell you that God is with you in everything. He's not just with you when you're in church on a Sunday. That's religion. God is with you every day, 24 hours a day. He's with you that much that He lives inside of you if you're born again. How much more can God be with you? And it's up to you to walk with Him and to call out to Him. But the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was one of these three guys worshipped the Lord our God. Our God. But Nebuchadnezzar was after making a big uh, gold statue. And they worshipped, at that time they worshipped all sorts of other gods. And he wanted everybody. Nebuchadnezzar was an evil man. He was a king, but he was an evil man. And he wanted everybody to bow down before this gold uh, symbolic god. And he wanted everybody to bow down before the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego says they wouldn't do it. Not doing it. I know who my God is. And it picks up the story here. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the born and forty furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down in the midst of the born and forty furnace. Then, listen to this, then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counsellors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fiery furnace? They all answered said, and said to the king, Yes, true, O king. The king says, Look, I see four men loose. They were bound going in. Then he goes and he says, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the born and fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the administrators, governments, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power over. The hair on their head was not even singed, nor was their garments affected, and there wasn't even a smell of the fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree that any people any nation or language which speaks against or amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut to pieces and their houses shall be made as an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Isn't that an amazing story? That there was three men thrown into a fire. They refused to do the things of this world. And they stood and they honoured God. They were thrown into the fire. But who was in the fire with them? Who was in the fire with them? Come on, church. Who was in the fire with them? Yes. 
And it says when they were thrown in that their hands were bound. What happened when they come out? What happened? They were free. They were free. It says there wasn't a hair on the head singed. It says there wasn't even a smell of smoke off them. And Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very evil man, realized that the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was the only God who could save. And if you want to start a new life, to be forgiven of your sins and saved from eternity without God, this is the God you need to put your trust in. And for those of you who are saved, we have a God that wants to do more than we can ever think and imagine. The thing is, will we walk with him and let him? It's your choice, church. If you ask me, how do we get more of God and what God has for us? I will give you one scripture. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? So church, I can't leave here this morning without saying one thing. That even Nebuchadnezzar knew that the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was the God who saves. And that there's no other name under heaven by which he can be saved. Not by Buddha, not by Allah, not by Hindu, not by mindfulness, not by mediums, etc., etc., etc. The Bible says that there's only one name under heaven that which you can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Jesus said himself, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through me.